Section 24 of Chapters on Evolution by Andrew Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9, The Evidence from Development, 1, The Earlier Stages in the Life History of Animals, Part 2. Selecting a form of animal life widely removed from the sponges, let us briefly investigate the stages through which the sea squirts or ascidians attain the somewhat prosaic features which mark their adult existence. The adult and ordinary sea squirt presents itself as a bag-shaped organism, rooted to stones at low water mark and bearing two apertures on its upper extremity. The resemblance of these ascidians to an antique wine jar, ascus, is forcible enough, and the characters from which the familiar name sea squirt has been derived are also readily discernible. When prying humanity, even in the legitimate guise of the scientific investigator, presumes to handle the ascidian constitution too roughly, these animals are given to eject water from the orifices of their jar-like bodies, a playful habit, the unpoliteness of which, from its reflex and unconscious nature, even other than scientific investigators may well excuse. Sea squirts are usually regarded by naturalists as near relations of the oysters and other mollusks, but their differences from the familiar shellfish are so numerous and so important that their separation from mollusks as an aberrant type of animals and their enclosure even in the vertebrate group is a perfectly legitimate procedure again the aptness of the harvian motto omni vivum ex ovo is apparent when we find that sea squirt history begins with the production and fertilization of an egg or germ which resembles that of the sponge and of all other animals man included in possessing a germ vesicle and a germ spot once again as in the sponge we meet with the process of egg segmentation resulting in the production of a morula then the cells of the morula arrange themselves to form the two layers as in the sponge the outer layer being pushed inwards upon itself so as to form a central cavity much as a nightcap is so modeled to fit the head thus our gastrula stage once again appears and in the life history of an animal very far removed from the sponge in structure and relationship. From this stage, common alike to sea squirts and sponges, ascidian development begins to specialize itself. Another opening or depression appears above the opening which formerly led into the gastrula body. Within this depression, which at first communicates by an opening with the exterior, a part of the outer layer is contained, and finally becomes shut off from the other portions of that layer. This separated and confined part of the outer layer becomes the nervous system of the sea squirt. Next in order, we find the body to extend itself behind, so as to form a well-marked tail, within which a rod-like body, the urochord, is formed. Overlying this body at its front portion, the nervous system just mentioned is further elaborated, and muscular elements become developed in connection with the tail and its contained rod. Meanwhile, the beginnings of a digestive system and of the breathing sac are being formed, and at this stage the young sea squirt appears to be actively mobile and to swim freely in its tadpole-like stage of development. Fixing itself thereafter by specially developed points of attachment, there begins a process of apparent degeneration in our as yet undeveloped ascidian. The tail wholly disappears, and the nervous system degenerates until but a mere fragment remains and with an alteration of the form of the body, and some modification and further development of the other systems of organs, such as the digestive apparatus and heart, the larval ascidian becomes the mature sea squirt. 
It is of interest to note that in a few aberrant members of the sea squirt group, the larval or immature characteristics are retained throughout life. Such are the appendicularians, which, although ranked as veritable sea squirts, retain as a permanent belonging the tail which their neighbors possess only in the days of their youth. Within this permanent tail, the notochord appears developed as in the fleeting appendage of other sea squirts, whilst the other organs of sea squirt existence, digestive system, heart, etc., are fully developed. From the possession of this notochord, these curious animals appear as unique invertebrates and stand alone amongst their fellows as presenting the closest resemblance to the vertebrate animals. In the appendicularians, we may perceive the existing representatives of the stock and ancestry which gave origin alike to the fixed sea squirt race and to the great vertebrate group itself. These permanent larval forms, as appendicularia and its neighbors are termed, thus present us with the least modified members of their class, with the primitive and unchanged organism whose development in other directions has produced the highest races of living beings. Of these organisms, Darwin himself remarks that, quote, if we rely upon embryology, ever the safest guide in classification, it seems that we have at last gained a clue to the source whence the vertebrates were derived. We should then be justified in believing that at an extremely remote period a group of animals existed, resembling in many respects the larvae of our present ascidians, which diverged into two great branches, the one retrograding in development and producing the present class of ascidians, the other rising to the crown and summit of the animal kingdom by giving birth to the vertebrata. Unquote. Ascending now to the confines of the vertebrate subkingdom of animals, we may trace the development of the curious little fish known as the lancelet or amphioxus, a form interesting not merely as being at once the lowest fish and vertebrate, but as evincing in its development a most marked likeness to that of the sea squirt whose manner of entrance upon the stage of life we have just studied. The lancelet is a little fish attaining a length of one or two inches and found inhabiting sandy coasts in various parts of the world. Its body is pointed at either extremity, and save for a narrow fin bordering the upper and part of the lower surface of the body, no traces of the appendages commonly seen in fishes are to be found. This fish occupies the position of a very singular and anomalous member of the vertebrate series. Unlike most of its congeners, it has no skeleton or backbone, a mere soft and gelatinous cord, termed the notochord, existing in the place of and representing the spine. It has no paired fins or limbs, it wants a heart, it has no skull or brain, and its organs of sense are represented by mere pigment spots for eyes, whilst the mouth possesses a series of filaments probably subserving the sense of touch. This little animal would seem thus to hover, as it were, on the outermost confines of vertebrate existence. Its adult characters resemble the rudimentary traits of other vertebrates, and in respect of its entire structure, and still more so of its development, it may be said to be a connecting link between invertebrates in general and sea squirts in particular on the one hand and the vertebrate subkingdom on the other. Like all other animals above the very lowest, the lancelet's history begins with the production of the germ or egg, which exhibits in its essential structure the closest similarity to that of the sponge or ascidian. The first changes to be witnessed in the developing egg of the lancelet consist in the complete division of its substance. 
segmentation of the egg of the lancelet is on an exact parallel with that of the egg of the sponge or the sea squirt we shall presently note that this segmentation is also imitated completely or in part in higher forms of life as in the sponge the blastoderm is duly formed the infolding of this blastoderm and the formation of the pocket-like gastrula taking place exactly as in the development of the sea squirt furnished with its eyelash-like cilia this gastrula lancelet swims freely in the surrounding water not a trace of its vertebrate character can be observed at this stage it might be the forward progeny of a worm or might be ranked as a developing snail whilst if it were alleged to be an embryo starfish or a baby sea squirt the zoologist would probably own his inability to say which assertion was correct or most in accordance with the appearance of this curious organism the succeeding course of events in the gastrula stage brings an elongation of the body and from the inside or pocket-like cavity of the gastrula the digestive tube of the future lancelet is seen to be gradually formed then also appear the first marks and traces of its vertebrate relationship and of its kinship with the aristocracy of the animal kingdom the flattened aspect of the body now shows a tendency to develop two ridges or projections which soon meet and unite in the middle line to form a tube enclosing the nervous axis this nervous tube remains open for a time in the lancelet the body of the young fish now assumes somewhat of the appearance of a flattened cylinder it resembles closely the young sea squirt and like the latter possesses in its back region a rod-like body the notochord in the lancelet however the notochord extends completely from head to tail the identity of the two developing bodies may be best demonstrated by a comparison of their longitudinal sections where the arrangement of parts and organs is seen to be essentially similar the next change results to the forepart of the body where the throat is seen to become cleft or perforated by the gill slits a sea squirt feature again being apparent in this latter phase of development it is equally curious to note that similar clefts to be more specially alluded to hereafter appear in the development of all other vertebrates including man these clefts in fishes bearing gills but in reptiles birds and mammals becoming obliterated ultimately the free-swimming lancelet assumes habits of more staid character the notochord which in most other and higher vertebrates is replaced by the spine remains in the lancelet as the permanent representative of the backbone just as in the appendicularia among the sea squirts the urochord persists throughout life and with the appearance of the systems and organs characteristic of its adult existence the preparatory stages of lancelet life may be regarded as having been completed thus it is certain that the development of the lancelet whilst clearly that of a vertebrate animal is also seen to produce a low type of vertebrate organization and to present unmistakable affinities and likenesses to the development of the sea squirts and of other invertebrate animals noting the absolute likenesses which exist between the development of the sea squirt and lancelet there seems every justification for the scientific belief that both animals have arisen from a common stock the gulf between vertebrate and invertebrate life in this view no longer exists and the lancelet may be legitimately regarded as the parental form of all vertebrates from the fish to man still higher in the vertebrate scale do our researches in development lead us when we approach the study of the chick and its early life history and what is true of the chick's development is with greater or less modification of details 
true of the production of every other vertebrate animal, man included. In the developing egg of the bird, the yolk undergoes segmentation, as in the sponge, ascidian, and lancelet. But the process is partial in the bird, whilst it affects the entire egg mass in the development of lower life. The blastoderm is duly formed as the result of segmentation, and from this substance, seen in the cicatricula or scar of the egg, arises the future fowl, the great mass of the yolk and white serving as nutrient material for the developing bird. Soon the cells of which the blastoderm is composed are seen to form themselves in three layers, an outer layer or epiblast, a middle layer or mesoblast, and an inner layer or hypoblast. It may be well to remark at this stage of our inquiries the part played by each of these three layers in the formation of the young animal. From the epiblast arise the outer skin and the nervous system. The superficial layer of the body and the great internal nerve centers governing the frame, its movements and vital processes, thus arise from one and the same layer, a fact appearing to argue in favor of the origin of the nervous system of vertebrates from a layer which in anterior stages of existence, as in the animacules of today, originally formed the outer and sensitive margin of the body. From the mesoblast or middle layer arise the bones, muscles, blood vessels, the underskin, and other parts, whilst the hypoblast or underlayer gives origin to the lining membrane of the digestive system and to such digestive organs as the liver, pancreas, etc. About the sixth or eighth hour of incubation, these three layers of the blastoderm in the chick are duly formed. Very rapidly succeed the changes which result in the production of the chick itself. A groove soon appears on the surface of the blastoderm, this furrow being known as the primitive groove, and constituting the keel of the body, so to speak. The edges of the groove finally grow together and convert the groove into a canal. A portion of the epiblast is pinched off from the remaining portion and being included within the tube thus formed duly gives origin to the brain and spinal cord. As two projections of the blastoderm grow upwards to form the spinal region, so two folds grow downwards and thus tend to form the body walls of the young animal. Contemporaneously with these changes, we find a structure of high importance to be gradually formed in the back region of the chick. This structure is the notochord, a rod-like body composed of a string of cells which lies just beneath the first formed tube, or that containing the nervous rudiments. The formation of this notochord cannot but forcibly call to mind the similar string of cells which appears in the course of development in the sea squirt's larva, such a similarity being of too marked a character to admit of its being regarded in the light of a mere coincidence. On each side of the notochord, the elements of the spine, in the shape of little cubical vertebrae, are duly formed from the middle layer or mesoblast. The notochord itself, a permanent structure in such fishes as the lancelet, sharks, dogfishes, etc., gradually disappears in the chick, its retrogression being apparent after the sixth day, whilst it is found to have entirely disappeared at the time of hatching, whatever of its substance remains being absorbed in the formation of the spine. The folding of the blastoderm in front and behind soon specializes the head and tail of the young animal, the head extremity presently showing three swellings, or dilatations, from which the brain is duly formed, and bending downwards in a highly characteristic fashion. Brain development is accompanied by the formation of organs of sense, such as the nose, eyes, and ears, which arise as pocket-like ingrowths from the epiblast 
or outer layer of the body, whilst the mouth is similarly formed by an infolding of the outer layer and is later on placed in communication with the digestive system. During the third day of incubation, certain highly important structures appear in the neck of the chick. Four clefts or slits are formed in the walls of the throat, these being named the visceral or branchial clefts. The upper edges of the clefts form thick folds, named the branchial folds, five folds existing to the four clefts, as the last cleft has its lower border thickened in addition to its upper edge. The significance of these clefts and folds will be hereafter alluded to. It may at present, however, be noted that all the clefts in the chick, save the first, are closed by the seventh day of incubation. The visceral folds contribute in an important fashion to the formation of the jaws and other structures belonging to the skull, the two hindermost folds disappearing in the chick without leaving any traces of their existence. The limbs begin to be developed about the fourth day and first appear as little buds projecting from a ridge, the wolfian ridge, running round the young being from the neck to tail at about its middle portion but it is only about the fifth day that the distinctive characters of the limbs can be discerned. By the tenth day, however, the wings and feet, in all their characteristic structure, may be distinguished. The skull dates its history from the fifth day, and only during the succeeding day may the bird type of the chick be perceived in the characters of wings, feet, digestive system, and other structures. So remarkably alike are the developing young of higher vertebrates in their earlier stages of development. Meanwhile, as early indeed as the third day of life, the lungs have been formed as little pocket-like growths from the throat, and even before hatching, the chick begins to use its breathing organs. With fully formed parts and perfectly equipped for the new existence which lies before it, the chick duly breaks the shell with its armed beak, and throwing off the shriveled remnants of organs once useful in its earlier stages, enters upon the characteristic life of its species. If the development of a quadruped were traced, or the stages of man's physical progress in early life reported upon, much the same course of development as that described in the case of the chick would be chronicled. We would see segmentation of the quadruped germ as in the lancelet. We should see the formation of a blastoderm and its three layers, of a primitive groove, of a notochord, of three brain vesicles, of visceral or branchial clefts, and of other structures similar to those of the chick. Only in the latest stages should we be able to trace the appearance of the higher features of the quadruped or mammal as distinguished from those of the bird. Human development, so far as has been traced, runs parallel with that of lower forms of life and exhibits the morula stage equally with the sponge, sea squirt, or lancelet. Man's development is in truth but an epitome, condensed and modified it may be, but still a recapitulation of that of lower forms of life. Thus it is no mere supposition, but a weighty physiological fact, that through flitting and successive stages, which exactly repeat and represent permanent forms in lower life, man finally attains to be the paragon of animals. And thus also the community of type and general structure which man shares with the lowest fish is demonstrated anew by the marvelous history of the manner in which that type is evolved, alike in its lower and higher phases. End of section 24. Chapter 9. The Evidence from Development. 1. The Earlier Stages in the Life History of Animals. Part 2.